You're listening live to Right Side Radio with Bill Williams. It's hard to go wrong when you're on the right side. Right Side Radio, solid, conservative, and just plain right. Alabama's syndicated news talk leader, Right Side Radio, Phil Williams here live in the Right Side Studios. Man, the local, the state, the national, sometimes the international. We cover down on all the issues, and like that dude just said, solid, conservative, and just plain right. Well, it is that day, folks. It's Fry-yay, so hit the booms and the... There it is. Fry-yay! <laughs> Boomer, how you doing, man? I'm good. Fry-yay, bud. Friday. <laughs> so still no word back on little oh. man's uh, tryouts yet, right? No, no word yet. We're hoping for Monday or Tuesday. I'm going to have to go rough somebody uh, up. I can just tell. The draft. Come on, guys. <laughs> Get it together. I'm saying. <laughs> all right. Well, uh, we got we got all kinds of stuff for you. By, oh, by the way, weird weather day. So yesterday was, what, 74 degrees? Today yeah. it's 44 degrees. What the heck? <laughs> what is going on? I don't even know what to put on in the morning. I could come in here wearing, you know, a shorts and a sweatshirt, and I would be fine either way. Um, all right. Hey, uh, the, the show for today, 3 o'clock today, State Senator Andrew Jones. Uh, he actually uh, took the seat that I used to be in, but State Senator Andrew Jones is going to be on to talk with us about his proposal to do away with occupational taxes around the state of Alabama. We'll talk about that in great detail. But, yeah, 3 o'clock, State Senator Andrew Jones on the show. And then at 3.30, immediately after that, Stephanie Smith, president of Alabama Policy Institute, will be on there to kind of follow up and close out that topic about dealing with occupational taxes and are we going to see any tax relief at all from the legislature this year? It's, it's a question. So we'll talk about it at 3 o'clock, Andrew Jones, 3.30, Stephanie Smith, and then we got a triple dipper full of stuff, so hit it. The Triple Dipper. Three stories you've got to know. That's right, the Triple Dipper. Three stories, three themes, if you will, that you have got to know as we run today's show. Number one, the job tax. That's that occupational tax I was talking about a moment ago. I mean, just you're getting taxed basically for the privilege of being allowed to work. What the heck? Don't we already pay occupational taxes sort of in the form of income tax? Yes. Uh, Don't we pay unemployment compensation as employers? Yes. And there's occupational taxes in some places around the state. We'll talk about it. Number one on the Triple Dipper job tax. Number two, military readiness. Oh, man, I tell you what, I I got some stories, like the latest on Space Command and the latest on, uh, I don't know, is Tommy Tuberville sponsoring a bill right now that would ban transgenders from being in the military? We'll talk about all of it. Military readiness, number two on the Triple Dipper. And the number three... I'm just calling it culture wars. It's more than just, it's more than just adventures in woke world. It's actual culture wars. I mean, and I want to make sure that we kind of put a bright line out there is what that means. What are culture wars and how are they impacting things? And are we seeing some changes in world leadership because of them? Yep. Yep, we are. So number three, culture wars. Y'all stay tuned for that one. But let me jump over to my comments though. Um, and, and I got to tell you, if you really want to freak someone out, just tell them you don't care what happens to you as long as victory is achieved. People don't know what to do with that. Folks who don't view the world from a world view never really know what to make of somebody who tries to see and do bigger things. 
And oftentimes that strength to pursue something bigger comes from having been in a fight, you know, and emerging from it intact. You learn from it. You grow from it. You realize you can hit and get hit and still keep moving. So overcoming adversity makes you appreciate what you have all the more, and it creates a different view, a view that things can get done, big things, things that some people would recoil from because they're still fearful of getting hit. But that's why it's so important, like for a football team, to practice in full pads and trade blows on the practice field so they don't avoid the hits they need to endure to win the game. That's why boxers have sparring partners, so they learn to trade blows for the big match. That's why General Norman Schwarzkopf said the more you sweat in training, the less you bleed in war. And in politics, the ability to trade those blows and stick to your guns is what changes somebody from a politician to a statesman. A few years back, there was a freshman class of legislators here in the state of Alabama, men and women who came into the Alabama House and Senate having endured one of the most brutal campaign seasons in Alabama history. It was called the Republican Wave of 2010. The Tea Party was real active back then, and it was a grassroots effort like maybe never before in our entire state. It was just just people tired of, of corruption. The Democrats had controlled the state house for 136 straight years, and that campaign season, man, it was a slugfest. The teachers' union especially fought often and fought dirty. I was proud to be a part of that wave, and I know for a fact that those of us who overcame such nastiness in the elections were then better prepared for the fights that came afterward. I know one guy who won his election despite the fact that he had an opponent that did things like pay strippers to show up at his front door of his house and take pictures. I personally had supporters who had their businesses threatened if they put up my signs. I mean, it was story after story of a desire to pursue a different agenda, a broader agenda, a statesman's agenda, but it only came when we knuckled down and got into the fight and we lived to fight another day. Now, like I said, the teachers union was absolutely the worst. They often coached their members out of a position of fear. They would lash out with the most ridiculous and unfounded attacks. And when they didn't get us to cow down, then they would resort to personal attacks. I recall so many times being verbally accosted for daring to suggest a different budget or daring to show a different way to handle education or considering how to save public retirement that was on the verge of collapse. But the mantra from the teachers union was, do what we want or we'll make sure you never get reelected. Well, my response used to just tick them off to no end when I would reply often in writing that I didn't get elected to get reelected. I'm going to do what I believe is right. Now, I'd love to take credit for that statement, but I can't. I learned it from a real statesman, somebody who had been through the fire, someone who had even lost elections in the past and pushed for unpopular options at times because he knew there was a larger plan, a broader narrative, one that held to higher principles because that was what statesmen do. That man was Ronald Reagan, who I had read once had been advised that a position he was preparing to take on a major issue could be considered political suicide. His top advisors were telling him not to do it out of political expediency, but Reagan, with the scars of prior battles in the public arena, told him, I didn't get elected to get reelected. Let's do the right thing. That's a statesman. The politician makes promises but may not deliver on the once elected. But a statesman? A statesman is a person who stands by his ideals and does everything in his power to do what he believes is right for the people of his community, his state, his country. Statesmen stand on a platform of fundamental truths, principles, and the scars of prior fights. Because when the fur starts flying and the attacks come from all angles, and they will, it's the embedded principles and the knowledge of a prior survival that a statesman will lean on to get him or her through the fight. And they can't be myopic either. They can't be fixated on just one thing. A statesman has to be somebody who has got a broad and a deep ability to address the issues. I mean, can they adjust from a fight on cultural issues and then pivot to a fight for fiscal issues? 
Are they effective in the arena of facing down attacks on constitutional liberties that we as a people enjoy and then able to move next to a debate about economic development or military spending or education reforms or abortion or prison construction? And when they find a constituency that opposes their position that they believe is founded on principle, can they see past that moment to decide what is for the greater good? See, lastly, I would say that a statesman is one who recognizes that his or her position has given him or her the opportunity for power. Power of position. Power over people. Power that can become a distraction. Power that can become tyranny. Statesmen do not give way to the idea of power. For a statesman, it is antithetical to pursue tyranny or to lord themselves over others. George Washington, fresh on the heels of his victories in Revolutionary War was granted by the Continental Congress towards the end of the war what they termed as unlimited powers in 1777 to pursue the fight against the British. But responding back to the Congress, Washington said, I shall constantly bear in mind that as the sword was the last resort for the preservation of our liberties, so it must be the first thing laid aside when those liberties are then firmly established. You see, Washington famously resigned his commission as a general before taking the office of the presidency. He also declined to serve more than two terms. He was a statesman. He was somebody who had been honed by a fight. He was somebody who stood on principles. And in the fight for the greater good, he also recognized that he could not grasp at power. I'm concerned about some of those who serve in Montgomery right now. Do they have a statesman-like view? Have they ever been through a real fight yet? Or in D.C., can they work for the greater good? See, the bottom line is we need statesmen. Men and women who get it. Men and women who will literally say, I have been through the fight and I am still standing and ready to keep moving. Men and women who will say, I have principles that are bigger than your bills that you want me to pass. Men and women who will say, I see a way forward and I will not let the idea of power take over my thoughts. We need statesmen right now for such a time as this, and we need them to fight. And that's a wrap for the right side way. So yeah, um, I do believe that there's a class of folks who have come into the state house in Montgomery who didn't have to go through those kind of fights, who didn't know what it was like to serve in the minority, who didn't know what it was like to have to deal with a teacher's union that was apoplectic about everything you did and breathed. I believe that we got some folks down there who don't even know what it means to truly have a true political fight. But I'm hoping sometime soon we're going to see some new stuff out of them that will clearly indicate they've got the brass for a fight. School choice, budget discipline, tax reform, something. Show us what you got. Phil Williams, Right Side Radio. Y'all stay tuned. We'll be right back. back. Phil Williams, Right Side Radio, solid conservative and just plain right, making it cool to be a conservative. Hey, uh, listen, the text lines are open. You want to text in, call in. We'll take it, 833-687-4448. That's 833-68-RIGHT. That's the phone number. Uh, Yeah, we'll take those. We've already gotten several. Um, 
and, and John from Huntsville's already texting. Oh, I see what he's saying now, Boomer. I saw that earlier when he, he said, when's it going to debut? When's what going to debut? He's asking about uh, the right side coffee. More to come on that. Plans are in the background right now, John. But thank you for asking. We are we are still talking about how yeah. best to do the branding and development of Right Sides Coffee. <laughs> so that's just that's gonna happen. Really, okay. Boomer, is the sun breaking out outside? Uh, now the sun's coming out. What the heck? Oh man, it's going to go up to seventy-two degrees. <laughs> this is before this the is, show's done. I know. I just got a text here too from uh, Bert from Owens Crossroads. I was talking earlier about the, the change from yesterday to the day, like a 30-degree difference. Mm-hmm. He said, how's this for a temperature change close to where he grew up? Montana, he said, holds the U.S. and perhaps the world record for fastest rise in temperature over a 24-hour period. He, he says, a downslope Chinook wind event pushed the temperature in the town of Loma, Montana, from minus 54. Ooh, minus 54. Minus. That would be Fahrenheit, by the way. Minus 54 <laughs> Fahrenheit at 9 a.m., on January 14th, 1972, to 49 degrees by 8 a.m. on the next morning. What? <laughs> that's that's freaking that's wow. ridiculous. That's a that's a hundred plus degree swing. Oh my god. That's a hundred and five degree swing. <laughs> First of all, I love Montana. I mean, have you ever been to Montana? Oh, I love it. I love Montana. Yes. Uh, but, Beautiful. But I don't think I would enjoy minus fifty-four no matter where I was. No. No. No, thank you. No. Just saying no. Um, so Rita from Scottsboro Texas is a happy Friday. Any news on saving the rocket? I got nothing on the rocket. We got to get back on that rocket. Question. We do. I think, I think I'm they're just, waiting for us to quit talking about it. That's what it is. Probably. <laughs> so we'll just keep talking Rita, about it. Good question. We'll find, try to find out. Uh, Dustin from Hazel Green has texted in. Can you partner guys partner with Black Rifle Coffee? Uh, you know, mm. I don't know, man. Maybe. Uh, who? Hey. I go. like Black Rifle. Wow. Don't know. Don't know. But I will say this, uh, Black Rifle Coffee's, um, um, what do you call it, like their packaging distribution warehouse mm-hmm. is within our listening area, just so Ooh. you know. Um, so there's that. All right, hey, we got a lot of stuff laid on for you, too. Uh, State Senator Andrew Jones calling in at 3 o'clock today. Uh, we're going to be talking with him about occupational taxes and you know, just kind of weeding our way through that. So what is an occupational tax, really? And depending upon where you live, you, you may not even realize you're paying it. But it's, it's what it basically boils down to is a localized tax passed by municipal uh, governance that, that puts a percentage taxation on your paycheck just for the privilege of working there. <laughs> That's what it means. I mean, I, I kid you not. What, how many different ways can they get our paycheck? So, yeah, I mean, occupational tax... Uh, I mean, I, I know people who have moved their business just across the municipal line just to avoid getting taxed 1% to 2% of their paychecks. Why not? But then you've got, too, the whole conundrum with what do you do about people who are now working remotely? Oh, Maybe the business they work for is in the city of Birmingham or the city of Gadsden or some other place that has an occupational tax, but they don't work there. They work remotely, but they still have to pay an occupational tax. Well, that's all. And by the way, that is hurting. That's hurting economic development if you get down to it, because if somebody's looking at where to place their business, let's say you got a major manufacturer that wants to put their business somewhere, and they recognize that if they go to one place, there's no occupational tax. If they go to the other, their employees are going to lose two percent of their paycheck. What? Do you think that factors in? Well, yeah, yeah, it does. And what's happened is over time. 
some of these municipalities have become so dependent on the occupational tax, which, by the way, not all of them have it. And I'll also point out, too, the city of Irondale, which I'm kind of getting ahead of myself here, but the city of Irondale, they've got an occupational tax. They actually last year voted to actually reduce it. I don't know that I've seen anybody else ever do that. But the city of Irondale voted locally to reduce it by a quarter point, down from 1% to 0.75. Well, good on you, Irondale. They, they looked around and recognized there's an opportunity to do something for their, their, their folks. And I don't know that it shows up in a big way in, in your paycheck. I mean, a quarter percent, but every little bit counts. Quarter percent, buy you a pizza. You know what I'm saying? Quarter percent, put some more gas in your tank. Quarter percent, who knows what you could do with it if you had the opportunity to keep it. And it, and it's, it is not uncommon. I, I, I kid you not. For businesses to examine where to actually plant the flag because of occupational taxes. And it's it's to me, it's kind of a gross way of doing taxation. It's like saying, you know, we love you. We're glad you're here. Thank you for choosing our municipality. And now, if you don't mind, please hand over a portion of your paycheck. But I but I but I already pay the state and the federal. Yeah, how about that? We're gonna, we're gonna, we're not gonna ask you to to do a filing at the end of the year. No, 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 no. We're just gonna take it every time you get a paycheck, and we're gonna require your your payroll processor, your employer, to actually do the processing for us and just mail the money to us. Yeah, that's how it's gonna work. Really? Yeah. Well, there are mayors right now who are freaking out because Senator Andrew Jones has come back with a bill that certain members of the legislature don't want to even talk about. They don't, they don't, please don't make us have to do this. Oh man, my mayors are going to be all over me. Yeah. You know what? If your constituents really figured out, they might be all over you. And then how would you feel? Let's see one mayor or 10,000 constituents. Hmm. (laughs) How many times can the phone ring? I'm just saying folks, if you have an opportunity to do something right, consider it. Now I will say this, Andrew Jones's bill, which we'll talk about later. I was I was a little frustrated with his version he had last year because it took 20 years to fade it out. But I get why he's doing it because I'm reading up on the information he sent me and I'm realizing how much money these, these in like $950 million by the city of Birmingham just in taxing people a percentage of their paychecks for daring to have a business located there. Wow. All right, we'll cover all that and more. Y'all stay tuned. Phil Williams, Right Side Radio. We will be right back.